On this week's episode of the Players Experience Podcast, we are joined by four-time Olympic snowboarder Mercedes Nickel. Mercedes is going to chat with us about her career at the Olympics, what it was like to attend so many World Cups in her career, um, reaching podium on many of them, what it was like to overcome adversity and grit through some um, upsets at the Olympics, and so much more. Before we bring Mercedes onto the show, though, we would, of course, like to recognize and acknowledge our video production team, Jay Salty Photography, who do all the photos and videos for the show. So make sure to hit them up on Instagram. Also, guys, remember to subscribe on YouTube, the Players Experience Podcast, so you're not missing out on any episodes as we reach uh, or we try and reach 200 subscribers because the road to 200 subscribers starts today. Um, also, guys, remember we're also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. Um, and we have partnerships with Hush Blankets and The Great North Apparel. So hit me up if you want some coupon codes for those great products um, to get some discounts for those um, organizations. Now, without further ado, let's bring Mercedes onto the show and start talking about her Olympic career. All right, Mercedes, how's it going today? I'm okay, thank you. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for joining me. How is your world right now with this whole COVID pandemic we're living in? Yeah, good question. A lot of ups and downs for sure right now. Like, yeah, it's a challenging time for everyone, but trying to find the silver linings in the little things right now. Yeah, exactly. That's all we have to do. And hopefully by, I mean, sooner than later, but who knows <laughs> at this point, we're already a couple months into 2021. But uh Hopefully we can find a, uh, uh, well, the vaccines are already rolling out, but hopefully things will just start going back to some normalcy by the end of the year for sure. Yeah, you know I miss going out with friends. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. I mean, uh, the stay-at-home order, uh, so I'm in Ontario, so our stay-at-home order just ended. Um, and Started. Oh, just ended. It just ended, and so um, it's crazy how the last couple of weeks have been, and uh yeah, I don't know. We'll roll with what we got on the table yeah. so far. And, yeah. yeah. Um, so let's chat about you and your snowboarding career. I want to learn more about your experiences, and I want to find out um, kind of like, yeah, how you got into snowboarding. So how old were you when you, the passion for snowboarding first came around? Um, okay, so snowboarding really came into the limelight for the world in the mid-90s, and I grew up as a skier. Um, my dad is a skier. He was supposed to go to the Olympics um, for England, but he broke his leg. Um, so we were an avid skiing family, and then in the 90s, mid-90s, this new thing came about, and I was like, all right, I've kind of skied everything on Whistler and Blackcomb. Why don't I, why don't I try this? new thing and honestly i put it on and i didn't really look back to skis so that was probably when i was about 12 or 13 like 13. okay cool yeah i don't see ski or snowboard but if i had to pick one i'd probably go snowboarding because i feel do you watch the simpsons at all i do <laughs> i feel like my skiing experience would be like homer simpson that one episode where the legs split and he just keeps it in snow and that's, that would be me because so better to have them all on one board Exactly, because then that way if I fall, at least I'm not worried about splitting my legs or tearing yeah. a groin or something like that, so yeah. 
Perfect. We'll take you. <laughs> Perfect. I can get all the lessons from you. That's great. There we go. <laughs> now, you made your World Cup debut in 1999 in Whistler in the halfpipe and made your first podium appearance in the same place just three years later when you took home bronze. What was it like for you to be able to compete at the World Cup, being so close to home and taking home bronze um, that year? Do you know what? I was so young at the time and ignorant to like any of it that it was just kind of normal. Um, I didn't really like the, the biggest memory and takeaway from my first podium at a World Cup wasn't that it was at home. It was that the drug testers took me away so quickly that I didn't actually get to stand on the podium because I didn't know all the rules yet and understand um, that I was allowed to stay and like actually stand on the podium, get my flowers and all that jam. So it was like kind of bittersweet. <laughs> I really had to celebrate. <laughs> and then they had it, they had um, the awards like ceremony, like the real one down um, in a bar and I was underage. So they had to make um, an exception for me to go into the bar, which I just found out the other day. I didn't even think about it. But my mom was like, yeah, they had to make like a full exception for you to allow you in the bar to accept your your like medal and stuff like that. I was like, oh, yeah, I was young. <laughs> That's insane to think like, hey, guys, this girl just won a bronze medal. You need to get her in the bar. No if and or about it. We're not leaving the, the podium empty. Like, let's go. Exactly. Yeah. So we had a podium up at the half pipe just to get like the flower ceremony. Yeah. And that's where the drug testers took me off. And I was super scared. I was like, oh man, someone's got to watch me pee. Like it's not glamorous at all. You go from like, yeah, I just got bronze to like, oh man, this is just, this sucks. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, it's all about the experiences and, and, no, no experience is going to be perfect. Let's put it that way. There's always going to be a hiccup in anything that you do, regardless of what it is, right? So, yeah. Yeah. You, know, you made uh, the podium uh, eight times at the World Cup appearances, making more than 68 starts, with the last being in 2018, as well as starting in seven World Champ starts as well. How much work and dedication goes into those competitions at those World Cups and placing onto the podium each time? Oh my gosh, so much so that you don't think about it until you're retired. It's just, you're just a machine and you just keep going and you're on to the next and on to the next contest and you're always training. For me, when I was competing and training, all I cared about was being on snow. We, I kind of started at a time where we weren't really in the gym yet um, and doing all of that. And I was just like, I'm a snowboarder. I just want to snowboard. And I would do anything I could to stay on snow. So for instance, um, we would travel around all winter to the World Cup competition stops. We'd be on snow. Preseason, I would drive down to California to because Mammoth Lakes had the first half pipe open and I would be on snow there. And then in the spring, I would be back in California because they would have a longer season. And then in the summer, I would be at Mount Hood, Oregon because they had half pipe there and they had sun and snow. And honestly, I, I had probably had like one month off snow all, all year. So it's just a lifestyle and you choose it. It's your choice. And if you love it, it's just what you're going to do. That's great. Now, out of those eight appearances, one must have stuck out as your favorite um, overall. Is there one that like has that kind of memory or that experience for you? It's funny. It wasn't a podium that I had my 
most favorite experience that I remember. It was um, a fourth place, which is always like the most painful, right? Um, <laughs> but you remember those ones. I placed fourth in 2010 at the Euro X Games. And at those games, it was right after the 2010 Winter Olympics where I placed sixth. And I landed a trick, a brand new trick that I had never put in competition before. And that one, I was like so proud of myself to get this trick for the first time and landed in competition. And that's the competition that I think of all the time. And I didn't podium, but I was so proud of myself. <laughs> and that's the most important, right? Because also too, I don't know what's more like painful when it comes to placing on the podium, getting fourth and, and missing the bronze or getting silver and kind of being handed that like, hey, you guys tried hard, here you go, right? Right, yeah, I, I think when it comes down to it, you really, this was like the full story of my last Olympics. I pretty much knew I wasn't gonna podium, but I was there for redemption and I was there to be proud of myself. And honestly, that's, that's the advice that I would to give to anyone. You don't wanna be on a podium and be like, mm, I didn't really try my hardest, you know? And so I think when you put everything on, on into it and into you, then, then you are the most proud. And that's, that's what you get out of sport. Exactly. And that's the most important aspect of competition, um, I find as well. Now, outside of the World Cups, you've made appearances at four Olympic Games, including Turin, Vancouver, Sochi, and Pyeongchang. How was the mentality like for you to be able to represent Canada four times on the biggest sports stage out there? It changed. It changed every time. The first time I was at the games, I was, I think I was 22 and I didn't even know anything about the Olympics. Um, it's not, it was never a dream of mine to go to the Olympics. It was just the next contest to go to that everyone was going to be at. And um, <clears throat> so at those games, I really understood what it was to represent Canada. And then I was, I had fallen at those games and was supposed to like make it to the finals, crashed like tears, everything. I was like, okay, I get it. Like the maple leaf in Canada. I love it. Um, and then I was like, I got to go again. <laughs> got to get back there. I got to go again. And it's like so far apart, four years. It's like so much life, especially when you're young. You're just like, oh my God. Um, and then and the second games, obviously they were in Vancouver. And that was, I was so grateful that we were in Vancouver and not Whistler because I think if I was in Whistler it would be super weird to be at an Olympics and sleep in my own bed yep okay like yeah that may be comfortable for some people but I like to be taken away and be like okay you're in the zone like I don't think it would be super weird if I was at home. Um, and those games were great. I ended up sixth and I was so like so happy but then I had some mentors be like <clears throat> well, how do you think you could do the next games? We think you could do better. And I was like, okay, well, I'll take it one at a time, like one contest at a time to see if I actually still love competing because I just, what, that was 15 years of my life to make it to two games. Yeah. Um, and then I, I was like, yeah, I'll, one contest at a time. If I still love the sport and if I still love competing, I'll keep doing it. And lo and behold, that took me to my third games, which I ended up having a miserable crash at that took me out of sport and life for two years. So then I needed the redemption of the fourth one. 
which I left sport, the competitive sport, feeling gratified and that I really did what I needed to do because I landed the trick that took me out the four years prior. So I do not recommend going to four Olympics. It's a lot of life. (laughs) Yeah, but hey, at least you had the opportunity to be able to kind of walk away from the sport on those positive terms versus having the Olympics where you did crash as like your last memory, right? Because no one wants to end on a bad spell. It's like any competition, the smallest to the largest, you never want to end on a bad terms. So at least you had that opportunity to be able to to redeem yourself in in so many ways. For sure. I'm pretty stubborn. Like I'm going, (laughs) I'm going again. (laughs) Let's be honest. I I think every athlete in some form or some capacity is stubborn. I mean, like I play baseball and basketball with the Special Olympics. I've been to two national games. Our most recent games were in uh, Nova Scotia in 2018, and we had gone undefeated for the tournament. We went 7-0, and we were kind of looking ahead to the World Games in Abu Dhabi the following year, and then we got notified that Dubai didn't have softball as a sport venue for those games, so we weren't able to even compete at the World Games. Devastating. Yeah, so now, like, that has – we have, like, a huge chip on our shoulder – um this year was supposed to or 2020 was supposed to be the regionals for the next like round of games going leading into the provincials and nationals Mm -hmm. so now we have like an even bigger chip on our shoulder because covid being like look the second covid ends we have a next regional competition we're gonna fight our hearts out to try and get back to the nationals win nationals and hopefully be able to represent at the world games Um, there's nothing like that fire in the belly to keep you going exactly even if it's out of anger (laughs) (laughs) anger um yeah i don't even know what else i really put in it all i know is that we've been all working from home on workouts and physical activity to try and stay in shape because obviously that's hard right now too um but yeah it's there's always that drive for every athlete to to succeed and, and to get to that next level right so it's a different um it's a different level of self motivation Exactly. Great way to put it. Yeah. (laughs) Now there are always challenges that competitors face when prepping for a competition. You've highlighted a couple of them so far with uh, crashes at events. Has there been one big challenge that you've had to overcome ahead or during a game or competition that you've kind of overcome it? I think the most, like you just kind of touched on um, the, like reaching a fourth Olympics and then hitting your trick that you, that took you out. But Mm -hmm. Um, I think that speaks to itself, the volume of adversity that you had to overcome. But is there another one maybe that highlights? Yeah, for sure. There's um, This one's more about like grit. So the crash that I had at the 2014 Winter Games in Sochi, Russia, um, that uh, happened in practice. And so I had probably 10 minutes before my actual competition run to take all the Advil possible that the doctor gave me at the bottom. Um, It was my hip that had hurt the most. So I had the physio tape up my hip so that I could compete. Um, And I just remember, sorry, I remember hiking up to the top of the half pipe, which is like maybe like 20 steps up um, using my snowboard as a crutch because I couldn't put weight on my foot, not knowing I had a black eye coming in and I was concussed. to compete. And I just, I had tears in my eyes cause I was in so much pain. Uh, 
And all I wanted to do was compete at the Olympics. So that was um, a moment of, uh, of real perseverance and, and just grit, really. And then we get two runs. So my first run, my score was very low and my amplitude was very low, which doesn't help when it's a judged competition. And um, so I went up for my second run and I stood up there and I was, again, tears, like we wear goggles. So you have like this foam here, which can catch the tears because <laughs> there's been so much pain. But I also had that epiphany of, look, Mercedes, you are not going to be able to walk after this. So give it your all and just leave like that. And I did. I went out and I pushed through the pain and every second that I was in that half pipe, which is probably like 30 seconds long, hurt. And I just went for it. And I ended up unfortunately crashing again. So um, that ended that Olympics. But I look back and if I had known I was concussed, maybe I wouldn't have competed. But just understanding what is possible mentally as well as physically to get through something like that is is something that I look at and a lot of people probably wouldn't have competed. And then a lot of people definitely would not have tried to go to another Olympics after two years of not, like barely being able to walk. So um, that's, that's, that's a moment that I really do. I don't think about it often, but I'm, I'm proud of being a strong woman in that sense. <laughs> No, and that's that's especially key, and that's such a motivational aspect for the next generation of snowboarders and young girls that want to get to the Olympic Games and want to make a career out of snowboarding, um, just to show like the adversity that you had to overcome to be able to, yeah, like go to the next Olympics. And while he said, yeah, you know, four Olympics, that's 16 years out of your life, and and the competitions and the training, but after you look back at it all, it, it's all worth it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good memories. Now, no a lot of, <laughs> good. Now, a lot of individuals have mentors uh, in their life that help them succeed um, throughout either their careers, um, like training through the competition or even the kilometers driven to get to the practices. Um, has there been someone in your life that's been a huge mentor for you? Not just one person. There's lots of people. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't think that um, we can go through life with just one single mentor. and. Uh, I had to do a speech on mentors and I was like, okay, what the heck is a mentor? And once I got down to it, I was like, oh, I just consider them friends that have been helpful throughout the time. So um, when I was starting out my career, there are definitely women mentors uh, that were professional snowboarders, such as Roberta Rogers. She really took me under her wing um, and, and took me places that I probably wouldn't have gone on my own. Um, and she was just a little bit older than me and had the knowledge of how the industry worked and how sponsorship worked um, and, and really paved the way for me to become the snowboarder that I am today. Um, she saw some spirit in me, added me to one of the snowboard teams. Um, so I was sponsored by a board company. And, and that was just amazing. I wouldn't have been on snow as much without her help. Um, and then when it came to being on the national team, definitely the older girls on the team, we all had to room together and I was the little snothead brat kid that was there. And so they had to put up with me 
um, like Mael Ricker, Lori Glazier, that were all um, Olympians from the 98 Games, the first Olympics to have snowboarding. And I, again, I like didn't even think about it. I was just like, yeah, they're forced to be my friends because we're on the road together. <laughs> but we would just help each other out. We would try tricks together. So there's that. And I think in every bit of your life, there's always going to be some kind of mentor that's there because you need to learn from others. And when it came to the Olympics, I touched on a couple mentors um, that pushed me to go on to further Olympics. And uh, that was Marnie McBean. Um, and, uh, she just, every time I saw her at the Olympics, she was just like, I got to see you at the next games. I got to see what happens. Cause something crazy would always happen at every games. And she was there and it was, uh, it was just really, really great to have her there. Marnie McBean is, I'm going to use like the CP24 catchphrase where like CP24 were everywhere. <laughs> she's literally every games she's always at different <laughs> events she's like you can't walk into a room without her not being there which is fantastic because yeah. she's such a great role model and such a great uh speaker and motivator um yeah. but uh yeah it's always fun when i know even for me like with special olympics events she's such a huge supporter of special olympics Amazing. so at majority of events that i've been to she's always at something so yeah it's nice to see her face all the time <laughs> that's great now, um, outside of sports, since you've um, kind of stepped away from the sport, what's it been like post-career now for you? I, again, I was lucky enough to leave sport, the competitive sport, on my own terms. Um, I wasn't kicked off the team. I was like, I feel complete. I've done enough. 20-plus years is, is a lot of competing for a soul. Um, and now, yeah, there was definitely – I kind of always had a plan in my mind to keep busy, uh, worked with game plan, which is a great resource for Canadian athletes, um, leaving sport from a national team or uh, being an Olympian. And, uh, yeah, it was just to keep busy. So I had jobs going and, uh, snowboarding will always be part of my life. Like I'm about to go snowboarding now. So <laughs> I'm lucky that my sport is a lifestyle sport that I will do for life. Um, Whereas I can't say so much for the bobsledders. Not sure that's a lifetime sport. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm really grateful. And um, again, it really comes down to how, how I exited sport. I feel very confident with the way I exited, but I'm still very involved in sport. I'm cur I would just left the board of Athletes Can. And uh, I'm also chair of the Athletes Council for Canada Snowboard. So I'm still definitely did I lose you sorry yeah. this happens there we go there you are <laughs> um sorry I you cut out halfway through uh oh you said the last we heard was um you left the board um of athletes can of athletes can yeah yeah so I'm also um is still currently chair of the Athletes Council and have a seat on the Canada Snowboard Board where I have kind of my finger on the pulse and letting the athlete voice still be heard, which is great. That's fantastic. Well, kudos to you because especially in a time like now with COVID, you have to keep busy to some degree anyway. So um, that's great. Now, outside of those uh, roles, you also have a podcast called Dropping In with Mercedes. 
Um, when did that kind of idea for your podcast start and uh, what's it all about? So I was approached by the Dean Blendell Network to start a podcast. They wanted to branch out to the West Coast. And I was like, okay, this is kind of wild, but seems cool and exciting. And I really got to make and my own podcast what it was, but be part of the Dean Blendell Network, which is amazing. Um, this I started episodes uh, in May. And my first series was a 10, I kind of do 10 episode series. Um, the first one was um, a bunch of people and how I interviewed them about how they've overcome their fears. And then the second series is about Whistler kids, because I tell you, there are a lot of Olympians that come out of Whistler, but there's also a lot of amazing filmers, um, artists, and like DJs. So I reached out to them and chatted with them and then I'm currently working on a series because it's winter to um, shed some light on what's in people's packs for winter sports and filmers photographers professional athletes and what have you so it's been really fun and as you know it's a lot of work but keeps us busy yeah exactly from all the interviews the editing the clipping and cropping for promotion it's insane but it's it's all worth it in the end yeah, and we get to learn, and hopefully the listeners learn too. <laughs> That's the most important aspect, right? Because you want your show to be productive and, and well-received, but you want it also to be having the listeners walk away, learning something about the guest. Exactly, yeah. Now, if you had to give advice to the next generation of snowboarders, in you know, a little se segment I like to end off every show with called The Words of Wisdom, what advice would you give to the next generation of snowboarders? I would say be kind. It sounds so minuscule, but if you can be kind to people out there when you're younger and even when you're older all the time, because you just don't know who, what that person's going through. And especially right now with COVID happening, everyone's having a little bit of a hard time. Even if they just have a smile on their face, they're probably having a difficult time. So just be kind because you never know where those people are going to end up in your life. Great words of wisdom from Mercedes. Thank you so much, Mercedes, for joining us um, and sharing your experiences about your career, the Olympics, um, the podcast, and so much more. And um, where can, for um, anyone that wants to listen to the podcast, where can they find you? Yeah, so I have a website. It's called Dropping In with Mercedes. It's a, a podcast. So you can go on there or you can go on at Dropping In with Mercedes on Facebook and Instagram. And then my personal handles are at Mercedes Nickel, N-I-C-O-L-L. -L. It's a little bit different spelling of nickel, but that's where you can find me. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, yeah, we look forward to seeing what you have in store in the future. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Special thanks to Mercedes for joining us on today's episode. And thank you to each and every one of you for tuning in to another edition of the Players Experience Podcast. Make sure to tune in again next week when we have another guest on the show to talk about their career and their experiences. Until next time, guys, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you soon.